Father, we thank you tonight for our time together. God, we thank you that we are a church family, and I give you praise, God, and I'm humbled, Father, to see all these precious ones that you've brought to Faith Family Church to be part of our family, and God, Vic and I always praise you for that. So, Lord, as we share the word tonight, first of all, we pray for all of those that are practicing for the production. Anoint every song. Anoint every instrument, God. And we just praise you for that. And we just lift up the little children's program this coming Sunday, that every little child will be healthy, strong, alert, God, and anointed, Father, that every heart that comes to watch will be, will be touched supernaturally by your spirit. And thank you all for anointing your word in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. <clears throat> Ephesians 6. <clears throat> Ephesians 6. Last week I was not here, and, uh, or the week before last, and Stan took this, and I want to kind of I'm going to, uh, tonight, I'm having this recorded, I'm going to put it on the internet, because I'm going to specifically talk about the first armor, uh, spiritual armor that God has given us, and it's called truth, and we'll read this as we go on. Uh, Ephesians, remember this, Ephesians is the book all, that Paul wrote, inspired by the Spirit, uh, regarding relationships, the relational side of life, uh, from the horizontal between us as people and between us and God. That's what the whole book is about. And that's the why for the warfare in our lives. Uh, how many have ever had any warfare in your life? Raise your hand if you had warfare. And normally, if you recognize warfare, it's usually in the relational side of life. That's because the devil doesn't want us unified. God understands the power of unity, for he himself is one. And the devil understands the power of division. So God gave us armor that we would have the power to remain united for the plans and purposes of God. A church divided cannot stand, but a church united cannot fall. Can I have an amen? And when, listen, and when everyone stays united, it brings great blessing to everyone. We all profit from a spirit of love and unity. Now, in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, it records the history, the rise and the fall of Lucifer uh, or the devil. He deceived himself into believing that he was something apart from God. This is good. He began to entertain the thoughts that the glory that flowed through him came from him. Isn't that good? And once he was cast down to earth, he tempted the God-man with the same lie, that you can be great without God. That why? I mean, you are God yourself. You can be great without God. But that's been a lie that's been perpetrated for uh, 6,000 years. And the best we can do without God is fail. In Galatians 6, 3, it says, For if any, persons, if any person thinks himself to be somebody too important to condescend to shoulder another's load when he is a nobody of superiority, except in his own estimation, he deceives, deludes, and cheats himself. So spiritual warfare really has been a part of the human experience since the very beginning of time. And the good news, God has equipped us, his people, with the spiritual armor necessary to win every battle in life. How many want to win the battles of life, especially relationally? And uh, God does too. Always remember, the battlefield on which all warfare is fought is found within the framework of the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Let me say it again. The battlefield on which all warfare is fought is found within the framework of your soul, your spirit, your soul, and your body. That's why the, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And um, Ephesians 6, let's read verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what, that's what I said to you earlier. God graces you for whatever you're facing. 
But his grace comes through the knowledge of his word. His grace just doesn't come to you because you're a believer. It comes to you because you walk with God, you study his word, renew your mind. So finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. The word strategy means this. It's a plan, a method, I like this, or a series of maneuvers for obtaining a specific goal and result. And Satan's goal for you and I is that we would abort our faith and our commitment to God's will and his word, that we would abort it. We would get offended and leave. And you can't imagine how many people have gotten offended at God for things that happen in their lives and they depart from him. But God is not our problem. He's our promise. He really is. And um, uh, Ephesians 6.10 again, he says, this is the Amplified, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, be empowered through your union with him, draw your strength from him. I love that. Be empowered through your union with him. That's what's awesome about Christianity. You, as a Christian, you can progress in your walk with God even if nobody else does. You can't use other people's, you know, you can't use the excuse that other people held you back. No, Christianity is an individual experience. You can, you can progress in God, walk with God, have victory that maybe nobody else is having. Isn't that good? <clears throat> he goes on. Uh, be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Now look at the first two words of the next verse. Put on. Put on. Now I wrote this down. If your wife tells you to put on your coat, obviously it's not on yet. Isn't that good? Obviously it's, it's not on yet. As a Christian, you have two natures to contend with. The Adamic nature, which is the old man, and God's nature, which is the new man. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, okay? And, um, and so putting off the old man and putting on the new man is something that we must choose individually on a daily basis. Now, we could get into that. I wish I had time to get in, and we can. If you want to read Galatians 5, verse 19, it talks about the fruit or the works of the old man. And then verse 22 talks about the fruit of the new man. We call it the fruit of the Holy Spirit, amen. So he says, put it on. So as far as the armor of God, it won't do you any good until you put it on. And put it on, put it off. Put on, put off. Every morning you wake up, you have the opportunity to put on the armor of God. It's your equipping for victory. Let's go on. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier. That just simply implies, listen, the warfare in your life is probably bigger than you think. But not bigger than the equipment that God's given you. But it is. So he says, put on the uh, armor of a heavy-armed soldier, that, which God supplies, that you may be successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Then Paul goes on and describes who our enemies are. Say, I have enemies. Okay, here's what they are. For, and this is the Living Bible because this is like the way it's worded. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies. Wow, think about that. Persons without bodies. The evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princesses of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. Wow. Just think of that. Your enemies are not clothed with flesh, therefore you cannot conquer them with your natural ability. But it, they're unseen. Now, you don't have to be afraid of that. And I, it really gets sad in my heart when, and I don't know, I, I'm sure some, 
Anybody here, you, just a minute if you want. You went, especially before you were saved, you went to scary movies. Raise your hand. You went to scary movies. Anybody? No, I didn't. I know there was always something, you know, creeped me out about scary uh, movies. Uh, what's the axe murders and stuff? Just all the crazy stuff. But when you go to stuff like that, especially the kids today, they don't realize it, that they're inviting into their life tormenting spirits. They don't realize it. <clears throat> and then they just get tormented. And they don't deserve to be tormented because Jesus came to set free. But they open themselves up and don't realize it, that there's ent- they just tapped into the realm of the spirit where all these demons are. If Cain would have just listened to God, he would have he would have recognized that his brother was not his enemy. And I think that is true in our lives. I mean, it's so challenging. Relationships are so challenging. And when you have 50% of people getting divorced, there's a reason behind that. And to tell you the truth, you know, every one of us are flawed. Every one of us have the same things, the same things in our life. Every one of us do. But it's how we... It's, it's we learning how to address those issues so that those issues don't become the hindrance in our relationships. But there's a reason why we get divorced. There's a reason why we don't stay together. It's because every one of us are fighting with the same thing called the two natures, the Adamic nature and the God nature. And when you let the Adamic nature rule you in your relationships, your relationships won't last. There's a reason why these things happen. So if Cain would have listened to God, he would have recognized that his brother was not his enemy. Now, Jesus addressed this unseen enemy with his disciples prior to his death on the cross. Listen to this, Luke 22. Simon, Simon, Peter, listen. Satan has, I thought this was powerful. This is amplified. Satan has asked excessively that all of you being given up, be given up to him out of the power and keeping of God that he might sift all of you like grain. But I have prayed, especially for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. And when, not if, I love, God, I love Jesus' faith. And when you yourself have turned again, uh, excuse me, and, and when you yourself have turned again, strengthen and establish your brethren. How many, would, how many here want to be an establisher and a strengthener of your brethren? And that's what we should be. That's what we should be. That's what God wants us to be. So he was saying, I want you to understand, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He's been petitioning me for you. But I've prayed for you, Peter, especially you, Peter, because what? Peter stood up the day of Pentecost and led 3,000 Jews to the, uh, to the Lord. That's pretty good. And that's why I say, and I'll just tell you this, n- n- this has nothing to do with self-pity. This has nothing to do with, you know, me as a, a, a person. God put a calling on my life and my wife's life. He put a calling on our lives. He really did. And so with that calling comes great responsibility, and, uh, but y- you, all don't, you, you all do not experience the warfare that we experience because we're influenced. I mean, you, uh, you may be influencing a few people around you. We're influenced at least the crowd that we have here tonight, and Satan don't like it. And <clears throat> so there's a tremendous amount of warfare, and that's why you see a lot of preachers fall, a lot of preachers quit. I mean, it's not easy. I mean, it is not easy. And I've been talking to my son-in-law about it down in, you know, they go through some of the same, th- same things we go through. <clears throat> I just got a letter lately from, I mean, someone that, I mean, we, I mean he got supernaturally delivered from uh, all sorts of bondages in his life. His life was changed here, but he felt compelled to go to somewhere else church. And it just broke my heart because his letter, it was like a love letter. You get, it's like a, it's like a um, 
a Dear John letter. That's exactly what it's like. Oh, I just want you to know, Pastor, your message has changed my life. The music here changes, church is life-changing, but God is... And I just get so saddened in my heart for that. It just breaks my heart. It, 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 it's, it's like a divorce. So don't do that to me. I mean, you know, if there's someone who's... If there's somebody who's insecure in their calling, it's most preachers are. You know, now there's preachers that are arrogant. They're very gifted. There's people that are, there's preachers that are extremely intelligent. They're gifted, good communicators, you know. But um, I really wasn't probably gifted with much of that. And so the insecurities of your life come out. So that, therefore, I have to walk by faith more, <laughs> more than not, you know. But I'm humbled and grateful. Seriously, I'm humbled and grateful that I look out, out here tonight, just on a Wednesday night, and you all come to hear the Word of God. Uh, because nobody made you do it. You came because you felt compelled by the Spirit. You want to come and learn and grow in Christ. Can I have an amen? So thank you for being part of this awesome, uh, awesome work that God has raised up. So he says, but uh, so anyway, back to Ephesians 6. Now I'm going to read this real quick out of the Amplified, and we'll go from there. Therefore, put on, that's you and I, God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger, and having done all the crisis demands, to stand firmly in your place. I mean, you're, you're going to stay, serve God, you're going to trust him. Now stand, therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, of, of integrity, and of moral rectitude, and right standing with God. And I've shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. And lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith, which, upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, welds, which is the word of God. I, I, and I just ran through those. I'm going to take him one of those individually because it's important that you understand the armor of God. That you understand that each piece of armor so that you can equip yourselves with those, okay? The message Bible says it this way. Be, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Just want you to know. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be standing on your feet. Everybody say amen. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation, they're more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable. That word means absolutely necessary. God's word is, is an absolutely necessary weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. So we can see from Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, there's an ongoing warfare in our lives as believers, and it's, it's in the spirit realm or this unseen realm. Therefore, the only way we can fight these battles and win the war is with the armor of God. Now, I want to commend all of you who have been coming to prayer. Because, listen, I'm just telling you the way it is. Amy and Matt were telling me, if they get six people at prayer, it's a miracle. It's just, it's just the way it is. But God, the Spirit of God spoke to my wife's heart, what, two years ago now? It'll be two years, I think, now this January, to start prayer. And many of you connected with that. Many of you said, man, I want to be part of that. How many have learned some things and grown in your life of prayer through that? It's just such a tremendous thing. And thank you. Thank you for valuing it. Thank you for considering how important it is, not only in your own life personally, but for the church as well, because you, you actually set the spiritual atmosphere for what God wants to do in a, in, a, in a meeting. But what's awesome is that God has just been speaking prophetically in these meetings. Not, not, listen, I, 
I ha- I'm not one that always constantly thinks I have to go around and say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Man, you're re- you're, the, the Lord is thusing when you're in church on Sunday morning. Can I have an amen? But it is beautiful when the gifts of the Spirit do operate, and God says specific things to us so that we can uh, he- uh, heed to what he's saying. Verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. So the first piece of armor for you as a believer is truth. Say truth. Amen. So there's so many things out there, you know, that people teach, but we want the truth uh, that Jesus taught. Amen? God's word is the truth or the foundational piece of armor for all of the armor. Truth is the foundation of all the spiritual armor that God has provided for you. It's the foundation of his righteousness, his peace, uh, our faith, and our salvation. The Amplified calls it the belt of truth. That simply means every other piece of armor is connected to truth, right? I mean, you can't have righteousness without understanding the truth of God's word. Is that right? You can't have peace without understanding the truth of God's word regarding peace. So it is the foundation of all the other pieces of armor. Think about this. Righteousness or right standing with God would not be possible without the foundational truth of God's word. Amen. Now, John 1.14 says this, the word became flesh and dwelt, that word means tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus came into the world to give us the truth, as you understand, John 8.31, to give us the truth that would make us free. How many here were in bondage to something before you were saved? Bondage, I mean, you were in bondage. You needed to be free. Amen, same here. And, and, and actually, you know, it is what it is. As a believer, you can... You, I always tell people, Satan attacks you from what you were delivered from. He always comes through that door to try to get you back into bondage. I mean, you know, so I always remember that because that's exactly what he does. So how do we define truth? Listen to this. Every person on the planet is a product of information imparted or seeded into them throughout the course of their lives. We all embrace different ideologies, opinions, convictions, and different views, whether they're religious, political, uh, educational, economical, social, or moral. Or a variety of all these things were spoken over us and into our lives by others, whether it was positive or negative. We are what people told us. Ecclesiastes says not, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. Okay? So, uh, I mean, I don't want to... All the different doctrinal things that people, the winds of doctrine that people get into. I'm so grateful that I have this spiritual security in my life as a pastor to not ever lead you astray. And that's why, you know, even when I bring people in, there's just a measure of fear in my heart. When I bring people in, that they're not going to, you know, they're not going to impact the people doctrinally in a wrong way. So that's very serious when I I have uh, people that come into our church. Um, what you embrace as truth, whether it's natural truth or spiritual truth, whether it's right or wrong, someone else was embracing it long before you. (laughs) And it's not until you're born again and your eyes are open to the truth of God's word, amen, uh, that you can be then secure to know that you're not going to be led astray by someone else's wrong doctrine. So what is truth? Let me give the dictionary. Oh, what is truth? Pontius Pilate, I want to read this to you. And can you put that up, that verse in, in uh, Pontius Pilate, you know that Jesus is arrested. And he stands before Pontius Pilate. And look, look what he says here. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked. 
And Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would, fi followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Now watch this. Pilate said, so are you a king? Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Look, watch this. And Pilate asked, what is truth? Look at the next five words. Then he went out again. Meaning what? Jesus wanted to tell him what the truth is, but he didn't wait long enough to listen. Because he asked, would you believe Jesus would tell him, tell him the truth? He asked for the truth, but he didn't wait around to hear it. I think that's powerful. So what is truth? Dictionary. It's a verified or indisputable fact, a reality, the actual state of a matter, actual actuality or actual existence. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, came to Jesus in, the, in, in Matthew 16. Uh, in fact, Jesus warned the disciples of the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees. Well, let's read it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replied, now when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. Isn't that funny? That when people say, you know, um, red sky at night, red sky at morning, sailor's warning. Yeah, we said that. That was true in the Navy. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky at morning, sailor's warning. And that was, they got that from the Bible. Most people don't even know that it came from the Bible. Amen? And so, but watch this. You, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Now, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miracle, miraculous sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. So what does that mean? He, remember now, he's addressing the scribes and Pharisees who were never open to Jesus, only finding ways to get in to his life and destroy him. That's all they were. So he says, none will, be, none will be given to you, adulterous and wicked generation, except the sign of Jonah. Well, what's that about? Well, God spoke to Jonah to go to a city. The city was Nineveh. And this history says that Nineveh, at that time in history, was the most evil, wicked um, a city of all the cities of that, of that area. And Jonah knew it, and Jonah didn't want anything to do with going to Nineveh because he wanted them to go to hell. Oh, I'm sure there's been some of people you've met that you've wanted to go there too. <laughs> That's where we get the phrase, well, go to, you know, Hades. And uh, so he, you know, you know he did. He, he hopped on a ship and headed out in sea. And I love this story. And then they hit a storm. They hit an enormous storm, so they're bailing everything out. And uh, no, Jonah, Jonah stands up. I just love this guy. He stands up. He says, throw me over, and the storm will stop. <laughs> I think that's, that's stupid. <laughs> and so they tossed him over. They didn't want to. I mean, they didn't want to do this. Well, they tossed him over, and the storm ceased. And, of course, you know the story. He ends up in the... Uh, the belly of a, of a, of a, a huge fish. And, he's, and the whole story is, exemplifies or is a type and shadow of Jesus in hell, three days and three nights in the pit of hell. 
And while he's in there, he has a change of heart. And he goes to Nineveh. He doesn't eat. He gets like four words out of his mouth. Repent. And the whole city repented in, in, uh, in sackcloth and ashes. The whole city, 120,000, turned, turned to God that day. Is that awesome? So he's saying to the scribes and Pharisees, the only sign you're going to get is, is the sign of Jonah. What was that? If you wicked dudes, if you wicked dudes would just cry out to God and humble yourself, God would save you. That's what he was saying. So that's it. That's it. Just repent. Get your hearts right. But see, they were so self-righteous that uh, they were the only ones that were right and everybody else was wrong. Maybe you've met people like that before. <laughs> Let's go on. So Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. So uh, be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, is it because we didn't bring any bread? Isn't that amazing when you don't have revelation knowledge, how stupid you can be? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, they discussed this among themselves and said, because we didn't have any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves the five, um, uh, for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood, or their eyes were open to the truth, that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was just simply telling them, do you understand the miracle of the multiplication of the bread? Do you understand that miracle? That miracle can operate in your life, can operate in your entire life, the miracle of provision, if you will just stay in touch with me. Isn't that beautiful? It's just letting them know uh, to beware of other men's teachings. Now, for many of us, this is good, there are many things we embraced as truth prior to the new birth that we had to let go of in order to line up spiritually with the word. For instance, salvation through works. We found out that that wasn't true. Come on. We found out that baby baptism is, I mean, it's not going to send you to hell, but baby baptism wasn't true. We found that out. We found out that that the communion elements really don't turn into the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. That's just complete nonsense. And I don't mean to be putting anybody down, but that's what we were taught, that when you take communion, the bread was actually turned into the body of Jesus and the, the wine turned into the blood of Jesus. That's just foolishness because everything about redemption is spirit. Can I have an amen? Everything about redemption has to do with the spiritual realm, nothing about the natural. So we had to, we had to let those things go. Even from the time you were born again until now, you've had to be willing to make adjustments in your theology in order to go on and grow in Christ. Like what? For us, I mean, for us as this church, we preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost that God gave you a gift you can speak in tongues and communicate with heaven. Everybody say hallelujah. And so for you to go on and grow in your walk with God, you have to be open, at least open to these things. When my wife came home and she was baptized in the Holy Ghost, she was speaking in tongues. Well, we were very familiar with it because we were in a Pentecostal church for three and a half years. Uh, 71, 72, 73, 72. yeah, three and, three, almost three and a half years. We were in a Pentecostal church uh, under a Pentecostal preacher, hearing these little old ladies speaking in tongues, freaking us out. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, and I, I was completely not open to it. But I did say, God, if you want us to have it, if God wants us to have it, he'll give it to us. Well, if you had that attitude about salvation, you'd go to hell. 
because you got to open yourself to it. So she came home speaking in tongues, and make a long story short, praise God. What she had, I, I, I had to have. Amen. She was not going to outdo me. So I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat> so amen. So you have to be open if you're going to grow. Um, the more yielded you are to the Holy Spirit and to the truth of God's word, the more growth you'll experience. Psalms 51, we're almost done here. Psalms 51, David said, Thou, God, desirest truth in the inward parts, or the hidden man of the heart, Peter calls him, the hidden man of the heart. God, I love that, desires truth in the inward parts. Now, the word truth in the Hebrew there, I just copied it from the Hebrew, it means stability, certainty, trustworthiness, assuredness, and faithfulness. Isn't that beautiful? So God was saying, I desire stability, certainty, trustworthiness, and faithfulness in the inward parts. Now, when David, no, when David was writing Psalms 51, that, is, that was Psalms 51, verse 6. When he was writing Psalms 51, he was writing it out of an immense amount of sorrow, guilt, and penance for the crimes he committed in the murder of Bathsheba's husband. I mean, here he'd committed, he committed, had, he had adultery with her, got her pregnant, went out and killed her husband. <clears throat> in Psalms 51, I've, and I've said this before, but I have, I've cried reading Psalms 51, because I, I felt the pain that he must have been going through to, to, to be a man after God's heart and commit such an act, uh, 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 such an evil act that God had every right to lift him out of, his, uh, out of that position of kingship and literally to take his life, but he didn't because of Psalms 51. He was, how many have ever, you've ever Sin, since you've been a Christian, you felt so bad, you went to God crying out to him for forgiveness. Anybody, I'm, I'm, my hand is up. My hand is up, because I have. Because you have to be a person that is broken before God, before God can use you. And if, if you don't recognize the imperfections in your life, then all you'll do is make the imperfections in everybody else's life. Because you've got it together. I mean, I've got it together. But Greg, someday you'll get it together. And that, that is a, that, that's not what God, the heart of God. Can I have an amen? So, so anyway, um, David harvested, of course, from his transgressions. And it was, listen, what he harvested was the fruit of the absence of truth. Just because for a time he, he didn't listen to the Holy Ghost. And he, he should have been out there fighting with his men in battle. And yet... He was fighting a war in his mind regarding a moral decision, and he made the wrong decision, and it cost him dearly. Amen? Paul says, he who sows to the flesh shall reap of the flesh, uh, reap, uh, of the flesh corruption, and of course, David did. Now, I'm just about done here. God gave us Hebrews 11, which we know, he, we know we, we've been taught it was called the Hall of Faith. You know, it's, this, it's the great Hall of Faith. It's where... People walked by faith in their whole lives and pleased God because they did. And, uh, but if you'll study every one of those, these lives, every one of them experienced intense warfare. Every one of them did. And uh, why? Because when you decide you're going to obey God, warfare increases in your life. Can I have an amen to that? But these men and women chose to embrace the truth, walk in the truth, and they were even willing to die for the truth. There's a reason why Jesus was hated by the religious hierarchy of his day. Number one, he was everything they were called to be but weren't. So they hated him for that. Some of you don't know, he was a priest. 
He fulfilled all of the Judaic, the Levitical law. He fulfilled it all. So he was everything that they weren't. So they hated him for that. And, uh, and of course, that brought warfare. In fact, I love this. The first message he preached, they carried him, led him to a cliff to throw him over. Just the first message. That's, that's how much warfare there was in his life. <clears throat> Secondly, they hated him because he declared with conviction who he was. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. That, I mean, that's powerful. You think about that. You tell somebody that today, you'll get persecuted for it. Because that's not politically correct. That there's only one Savior. Let me say it again. There's only one Savior. Amen. His name is Jesus. Only one. Only one. And uh, I, I, I'm excited. Well, I'll say something here in a moment. So, as you study the Gospels, which document his life and ministry, you'll find out that all of his ministry was about love and compassion, restoration, forgiveness, healing, deliverance. Praise God. Now, that is a manifestation of the truth. Can I have an amen? And because uh, the truth set people free. John 8, 31. This is really winding down here now. John, because I got something else to share with you. John 8, 31 says, Jesus says, to those who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Amen. I said, amen. The truth will make you free. I said, the truth will make you free. Now, why is that important to us? Because there's going to be, there's going to be seasons of your life that, that it just is. Well, now, you, if you're self-righteous, you won't believe this. But there will be seasons in your life where you may find yourself captivated by something, and you need freedom. So you go back to the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says, and God will set you free. Yes! Amen. That was better than you responded. Psalms 15, this is David wrote this. He said, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. And uh, you can write this in your Bible if you want to. God's word does not contain the truth. God's word is the truth. You have to understand that. God's word doesn't contain the truth. God's word is the truth. It's very important. Very important. And I've shared this. And in fact, I shared this, uh, this statement I'm going to make. And Tony Cook had just been teaching on it. And he confirmed it. But I knew this years ago because Brother Hagin taught us. That every scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament not one scripture contradicts another. Written by what? Uh, written by um, how many writers? Uh, quite a few writers within 1,500-year span, and not one scripture contradicts another? Tell me that, that that can only be God. I'm sure glad you're all awed by that. I said that can only be God. That would give us, that would give us such a beautiful, a beautiful promise that you, you can't go in here and read this by the Spirit and get off. If your heart's right, you'll always, remember I said, if, you, if you're humble before God, if you're humble before God, that when you read the word, you'll never get off. The spirit of God will never lead you astray if you're humble before God. You don't have to be afraid of that. So, but you do have to be concerned about who you listen to. <laughs> All right, this is the last one. Deuteronomy 32. What time is it, kids? Oh. No, I'm not going to let you off at 22. I'm just going to tell you that. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, read this on the screen, it's beautiful. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. O hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. 
My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. Isn't that beautiful? Just and right is he. God is. He's just and right. And he gave you this. I just want you to know God knows a whole lot more than what's in this book. But this is, he knew this would be sufficient for us to learn. Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> John 17. I'll close with this since we have a minute. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. John 17 is Jesus praying to his Father. Oh, so touching. Such a touching prayer. John 17. Here's what he says. These words Jesus spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is the life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now I have glorified thee on the earth, and I have finished the work to do which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I said something Sunday. I'll, I'll continue here in a moment. I just thought of something. Because I, I, remember I said Sunday that when Jesus rose from the dead, or when Je Jesus doesn't have a body like he had before he came to earth, and I know everybody's going tilt on that. And, um, uh, and I was too. Uh, tilt on that. But he, 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 he was willing to give up the glory they had with the Father to be clothed with a body like ours. Now, again, I want to explain this. When Jesus rose from the dead, y'all know he picked his body up? Y'all know he picked his body up? Was the grave empty or am I just, uh... okay, thank you. Whew. I just didn't know for sure. The grave is empty. So he picked his body back up. When he came to the disciples, they were out fishing, and he's on the shore kicking, he's on the shore cooking them fish. Isn't that cool? And he, so he's enjoying, uh, uh, he's eating with them. And then, remember, when he came through the, he walked through the door, or walked through the wall where the disciples were, and he says, feel, feel, a spirit does not have bone and flesh like I do. Think about that. So what he had before in his father, the glory of his eternal body, now he's got a body like ours and would never reach, go back to that what he had before. And he's willing to do that for us. That's pretty cool. I mean, I just thought that's pretty cool. I'm, I say things like that only because sometimes maybe we can just maybe get a little bit of, of um, appreciation more for what he did for us. I don't know. Let's go on. Verse some. I'm going to, verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Or the evil one, the Bible says. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Say, I'm not of this world. Amen. Then he says this. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me, 
in, uh, into the world, even so I also sent them into the world. So your calling, kids, your calling is to go into the world and let the world know that Jesus is your Savior. That's your calling. Now, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified. How? Through the truth. Neither pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you and I. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So he goes on and talks about the importance of oneness, and I won't continue. But bow your head. I want to pray for you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we just pray tonight together. And God, every one of us personally thank you that in the different seasons of everyone that's here tonight, at one time you touched our hearts to know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Can you give him praise for that? God, thank you. Father, we are grateful. We're so grateful that we did not find ourselves captivated by some some um, cult or something of error, but God, we truly met you, our Savior and Lord. And sir, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Everyone thank him for that. Thank you, God, that we know the Savior, that Jesus is our Lord. Hallelujah. And that God, tonight, we all commit ourselves to you, Lord. We want to please you and honor you. We want to be faithful sons and daughters. We want to, when you return, Lord, we, we, you, we want you to, we want you to see that we are walking with you, have been faithful to you, and, and uh, busy uh, fulfilling your will. So, God, we believe you're coming soon. So, Lord God, we want our hearts to be sanctified by the truth. And, Lord, we want you to know that as we hear the truth, we will walk in the truth. Give him praise for that. And, God, tonight, I just pray that your love would abound in every heart because, God, love never fails. And I pray tonight for every relationship in this place, oh God, that you bring healing and wholeness and strength. And Father, thank you. And Lord, as we leave tonight, God, I am asking you, Father, I'm petitioning you that you would favor everyone in this place, that everyone here tonight will bring someone that doesn't know you to the production, God. And Lord, we're trusting you for that. Why don't you lift your hands and give him praise for that. We're trusting you, God, that you will favor our invites. Hallelujah. And that, God, we, every one of us, will get someone to come that doesn't know you. And, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen.